Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Hope that you're enjoying yourself, time with family, friends, and however it is you're spending your time. We are just a few hours away from the Texas Values, Texas Faith, Family, and Freedom Gala with Michelle Bachman as our keynote speaker. It's going to be a wonderful evening in the Dallas area. If you're headed out that way, look forward to seeing you. If not, we'll try to catch you next year. It is a sold-out event. Very excited about that. A lot of hard work. Thank you to all the team at Texas Values and our board members and friends that got the word out that uh, sponsored tables and many people that are a part of supporting this event. We're excited that we're going to have a full room at, once again, another sold-out Texas Values event and gala. There's going to be a lot to talk about. There's no question about that. Look, the State Board of Education has been real busy this week. After things calmed down from the elections from a couple of weeks ago, the State Board of Education got right to work. You know, they, a couple of months ago, worked on issues related to what we teach in our history and social studies classrooms. There were efforts by not the elected board members, but people that were appointed to a review panel, a work group, that recommended that we stop teaching kids in Texas that the defenders of the Alamo were heroic. So I'll make sure you heard what I said. There were people that wanted us to stop teaching our kids in Texas that the defenders of the Alamo were heroic. That's how we currently do it. It says the heroic defenders of the Alamo. No, no, no. We don't want to call them heroic. I don't know why we spend time doing this sometimes, why people think, not we, why these people that were on this panel think that that's a good amount, of, that's a good use of time. And, and and so, look, this was about streamlining what we teach, if you will, and reducing the amount of stuff that we teach in history and social studies because some people felt like there was too much for teachers to do. You know, look, whatever. I, I know some of that was politically motivated. Some people want another way to get in front of the State Board of Education so they can teach less about these things. Groups like Texas Freedom Network, uh, the ACLU, others, they've long been engaged in these efforts going back 10 years to try to rewrite history and teach less of the things that majority of Texans care about. And so this year has been no different. And so, so far, the majority of the State Board of Education members have rejected these efforts to water down and rewrite our teaching about the Alamo. Uh, There was a group of people that, that were on this panel that wanted to stop having students learn about William B. Travis's letter from the Alamo. I mean, this is one of the most famous letters in American history, not just Texas history. And believe, I mean, this is hard to believe too, because the building where the State Board of Education meets in the Texas Education Agency is housed. This is where all their offices are. It's called the William B. Travis Building. So it's, you know, William B. Travis is important enough to name the building after him, but it's not important enough for us to teach the students in school about him. I mean, anyway, so this is what the State Board of Education is meeting on. This is one of the things. So far, the majority of them has said, we're not doing that. We're going to keep teaching about William B. Travis's letter. And the Alamo Defenders is heroic. But then, of course, because the process gets opened up to this, people start trying to do other stuff. So this work-study panel said, well, you should stop teaching so much about Judeo-Christian heritage. Let's eliminate the only reference left to Moses uh, in a a mention of a group of different individuals whose identity is related to having an impact on law and government. I mean, look, Moses and the Ten Commandments, we know— those principles 
of law and morality have had an impact on law and government in the United States. I mean, it's without question. The U.S. Supreme Court has written about this and so on. But people just keep trying to chip away. So this is the second or third time we've had to defend Moses, the Ten Commandments, Judeo-Christian values, talking about our religious heritage in America, a whole host of things that liberals have been trying to rewrite out of history. And so we've been there all week. Nicole Hudgens and our, our newest team member, Mary Elizabeth Castle, who's a graduate from Texas Tech Law School, uh, have been at the State Board of Education dealing with this. I went down there briefly. I testified about this in September. Nicole's going to give a wrap-up of this later in this segment in our edition of, of Texas Values Report and let you know what the final vote was uh, because that has just has been up in the air. I mean, I think we're going to be okay, but some of the votes have been close. But last week we talked a little bit about the elections, and there hasn't been any new elections, but sort of, maybe, okay? Um, look, we saw the elections last week, a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, I think a lot of people felt like there were a lot of candidates that are very strong on faith and family issues that Democrats voted against. And so some of those people are no longer in office. But it's changed the numeric balance, if you will, in the Texas House, which is was 95-55, 95 Republicans and 55 Democrats, and now it's 83 Republicans, 67 Democrats. So that margin has shrunk. It's There's you know less of a difference there. And so that means if seven Republicans don't vote a certain way and they you know side with Democrats or six or seven, you could have a bill that goes down. And so there's just a, a, a smaller margin there, whereas before it was 30. Now it's, you know, a difference of 16, so it's been cut in half to at least, you know, about, if you will. So the next question was, well, then who's going to be the Speaker of the House? Because Joe Strauss, who has a long history of opposing religious freedom efforts, of supporting policies that allow men to go into women's bathrooms, and opposing efforts at the state level to say that we shouldn't, we shouldn't have these local laws that um, tell private businesses they have to allow men into women's bathrooms. He opposed that effort. He opposed efforts at the state level that said, you know, we, the government at the local level shouldn't be punishing people on these things. So he's against privacy. He thinks it's okay for boys to go into girls' bathrooms in public schools. Joe Strauss is no longer the speaker. He had uh, announced last year, I forget when it was, that he wasn't going to run for speaker again. He wasn't going to run for election of the Texas House. So who's going to be the next speaker? And, you know, we thought this might be something that played out for several weeks leading up to January 8th, which is the first day of the legislative session, but it didn't turn out that way. Uh, Dennis Bonin announced that he was going to run for speaker, and very quickly he seemed to put together a large number of people supporting him, including some other people that had announced for speaker. So he did a press conference on Wednesday, I believe. We were there. I think that's what day it was announcing that of the 150 House members at the Texas House, this is the state level, that he has 109 of them supported. So that means all, well, you, arguably all of the Republicans, I think there was one, Jonathan Sticklin, who didn't sign on, but, uh, but then, you know, about half or maybe a, around uh, a third of Democrats. So 100 out of nine of 
50 only leaves 41 other votes. You need 76 to be elected speaker. So essentially the race is over, as he said. He said so he came out, he did his press conference, he said, and I'm here to, to announce the speaker's race is over. Dennis Bonin. He says, I have 109 of the 150. Let's get to work. So he's already been doing things and appointing people and putting together a team. So it does appear that the speaker's race is over. So we'll see how that turns out. But I, I think that's fairly likely. And look, a lot of people that we support, elected officials that are good on faith and family issues, have come out supporting him. And so I don't think you're going to see some... Um, unexpected person come out of the shadows, if you will, or wherever, you know, the, come forward and say, oh, no, I broke some of those people off, whatever. So I do think it's it's probably safe to say the speaker's race is over unless, you know, something unforeseen happens moving forward. Tell you a little bit about Dennis Bonin. So, you know, the, the organization that we're affiliated with that puts out a scorecard is called Texas Values Action. And on the Faith and Family scorecard for Texas Values Action, Dennis Bonin, out of a possible 100, scored an 86, which is good. I mean, it's fair. He was four percentage points away from being designated a Faith and Family champion. So if you get 90 or above, you're designated as a Faith and Family champion. And so Dennis Bonin, I believe, did support the Privacy Act and or signed on to it and um, also some pro-life efforts. I, th- I think what one of the reasons he didn't get up to 90 percent, there was some other key legislation that we were a part of, the faith and family legislation that he didn't sign on as a co-author. And some of those things can add a little bit more points to get you there. So uh, I, we'll, we'll take a closer look at it. Whether or not, I don't think there were any concerning votes that he took, but we'll take a little bit closer look. So all that to say, I mean, look, there's no question when it comes to faith and family issues, pro-life, religious liberty, privacy, school choice, you name it, Dennis Bonin is a major improvement over Joe Strauss. Okay. Dennis Bonin is a Republican. He's from the Angleton area, which is southeast part of a southeast of Houston. I think close to Victoria, a little bit close to the coast. So that should be a good sign for things moving forward, considering the fact that you only got an 83-67 split in the House. Having someone in that leadership position that's already supportive of these type of values that we work on, Texas Values does, is something that we see as very encouraging. Uh, You know, Dennis Bonin, I don't think, is all that vocal a lot about these issues, but that doesn't mean that he's not supportive of them. So, and we have had a working relationship with him every session and so that's something that we're looking forward to and could be seen as a good thing that members are already ready. You've got Republicans and Democrats largely agreeing, or many Democrats, and maybe not all of them, not at this point. And now the focus can be on getting to work at the Texas Capitol and getting some good legislation done. I mean, because that's really what this is all about at the end of the day. I mean, a lot of the discussion about who the Speaker of the House is going to be relates to where are they going to be on policy and what impact they're going to have on what bills move and what bills don't and what makes it to the governor's desk, what their priorities are, what their principles are. So maybe we can try to get Dennis Bonin on the show, let him talk a little bit about that. He often does appear to be a man of very few words. And so I think the press conference lasted 
I don't know, maybe two minutes. Maybe it was three. It was very short. And he took two questions, and that was it. You know, but I mean, what you know, hey, so be it. People have their different styles. Let's get to work. And I think that was a lot of what you felt from the press conference. The speaker's race is over. Now let's go get to work. So we'll see how that turns out. There was a question at the press conference of whether or not Dennis Bonin would appoint Democrat members to chairs of committee, I guess like Joe Strauss did. Others have too, but there was a lot of criticism at times that Strauss really gave a little bit too much favor to Democrats considering they were in the minority, if you will, as far as numbers, and they're not the ones the party in control. You know, and not that you want to shut them out of the process altogether. They have a district to represent, but you know, a lot of the committees were like five four, five Republicans, four Democrats, six Republicans, five Democrats. I mean, so, you know, that that's that's really a thin margin, if at all, depending on who shows up to that meeting. And so, you know, it, it just seemed to be a little bit too favorable, in my opinion. So there's been criticism of that. So Dennis Bonin was asked if he would appoint any Democrats as chair. And I don't remember exactly how he answered the question. I don't want to misquote him. What I recall was his response did not really take, did not really answer yes or no. He said something to the effect that he would continue the tradition that has been in place in the Texas House. Um, the, the committee, I think, was 5465. It was only one more Republican than Democrat as far as that's what I recall. And there were two bills that moved out that, that not only got a hearing, but moved out of committee favorably. And they related to bills that were top priorities of the LGBT movement, lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender advocacy groups who want the government to punish people if they don't allow boys to go into women's bathrooms on their private property and their faith-based institutions, even applied it to some church-type groups, a, a convent for nuns, women's shelters, all those things. And I want to make sure people understand this. Liberals and a lot of Democrats and LGBT activists they want the government to have laws that tell you what to do on your own private property when it comes to bathrooms, shower rooms, locker rooms. They even want the government to use tax dollars to force you or your business to cover insurance coverage when someone wants to have a sex change to go from a man to a woman. They want the government tax dollars to be used for those things. I mean, you got. I, I mean, I have. I want people to understand. Our organization and others on our side, if you will, are not, I mean, the reason you continue to hear discussions about this is because the left keeps pushing for the government to be more involved in being the decision maker and the enforcer on these issues. That's why there was a statewide effort for a statewide law last year on this, the Privacy Act, to stop that, to say the government cannot do these things anymore. They can't tell private businesses what to do in these situations. But that is what the left wants. So they're going to file those bills. So those two bills came out of committee because one Republican said, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. And it was chaired by a Democrat. We'll see if things set up that way under Bonin's speaker leadership, assuming that you know nothing unforeseen changes that appears that he is headed for that role. So in a few minutes, though, we're going to hear from Nicole Hudgens. She's going to have a breaking update from the State Board of Education on Judeo-Christian values, Moses, the Alamo, a whole host of things. You're going to want to hear this. Well, we're excited to be here today with Barbara Cargill, who is the State Board of Education member. 
They had a meeting or multiple meetings this week here in Austin, Texas. Barbara, thank you so much for the taking the time to be on the Texas Values Report. Thank you for asking me back. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your role as a State Board of Education member. What, what do y'all do? So the State Board of Education, there are 15 of us that represent districts across the state. I think we each have 1.6 million constituents. And so we have a lot of um, obligations that we do in regard to student graduation requirements. But the pa my passions are the fact that we oversee the approval of textbooks, instructional materials for our classrooms, mm -hmm. and also oversee the curriculum standards, which are the requirements that teachers must teach to their students in the classroom. So those are my passions as a former classroom science teacher. That's right, and you know, I appreciate you sharing that because you and so many of, of the others on the school board members really do have a passion to make sure that our students are best equipped not just as students, but they're going to carry this information into their adult lives. And so we just so appreciate the work that you're doing and making sure that these standards are, are the best and that our students are being taught the best. Right, and they do. They deserve to have the best quality education possible. And so much of that um, is dependent on what we require of our teachers to teach. Mm -hmm. So it's critical that we make sure that that our teacher requirements on what to teach are accurate and historical and that we also try to build in as much character education as we can as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and y'all did such a great job of that this week. Probably the biggest thing that we at Texas Values were, were watching, there were a number of issues that y'all addressed this week, but specifically on the history standards, on what's going to be taught to our students on the issues of history, social studies, world geography, uh, economics, there were a number of standards that y'all went through. There was an attempt, well really the purpose was to, to streamline some of it, but there were, there were certain elements that had to stay in and, and we in encouraged everyone to pay attention to what was happening because there was debate on Moses, John Quincy Adams, other members, parts of history, as you said, you know, great characters of history to right. pay attention to. Tell us a little bit more about right. that. Right, yeah, in, in my opinion, there are some absolutes that must be taught, and those include the founding fathers and founding documents and the military, mm -hmm. for example, and just other um, elements, as you mentioned, you know, Moses and our rich religious heritage, which is based on uh, Judeo-Christian mm -hmm. um, traditions mm -hmm. and et cetera. And so, uh, you know, there <coughs> seems, this is not the first time that I have been through this process. We have, uh, I've been on the board uh, for 14 years. And so every time that the textbooks come up or the curriculum standards come up, for history, and this is every class in K through 12 social studies or history, and um, always the same things are targeted, and that is our rich religious heritage, and um, you know just the values that we hold dear, and what our founding fathers, the principles that they instilled in the Constitution and the Declaration, and those always seem to come up, and they are at great risk, and so it takes. Um, you know, organizations like Texas Values to help highlight that. And so we appreciate the work that you have done just through social media and your radio platform and et cetera in letting the public, helping them to be aware and to support those of us who are fighting for these things at the here in Austin. Well, I so appreciate you saying that. And I think it's also important our listeners to know that it's people like you that are standing up for what's right as an elected official when it comes to these issues. And as you said, <coughs> you know, 
There are those that are trying to take out our Judeo-Christian values. Mm -hmm. uh, Moses being an influence on how our government was founded. You know, you go to the U.S. House of Representatives and you see the silhouettes of different members of history who influenced our founding and the, you see the sides of their faces. I, I can remember a num number of them, mm -hmm. Justinian, Napoleon, uh, and you see the sides of their faces, but the only one that's full-faced is Moses. It's Moses. There he is, <coughs> right there. He's, he's watching the vote. <laughs> yes, <so>. exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, as you said, there's there was a there was an attempt to take out mm -hmm. Moses. There was an attempt right. to take out founding fathers. There was an attempt to take out every reference to Judeo-Christian mm -hmm. legal tradition, Judeo-Christian traditions and values. And that was a major concern. Right, and what we have to remember, you know, we need to look through the lens of what was happening during the time of the founding mm -hmm. and our founding fathers. And, you know, most of them were very, very literate mm -hmm. in what was contained in the Bible. So whether or not they, they chose to believe everything in the Bible or not. They, they looked to the Bible as a source of reference, and especially for mo a model of, of civic virtue. Mm -hmm. And you know, nowadays, for the most part, people are very illiterate when it comes to what is contained in the Bible. And so there might be um, references to language, or there might even be direct quotes from the Bible that many of us don't recognize anymore, mm -hmm. but our founders, they recognized that. And so, uh, irregardless of what their personal religious beliefs were, they looked to the Bible as just, um, you know, a model, and especially with Israel and the beginning mm -hmm. of the nation of Israel that's found, that we see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and in other parts of the Bible, um, they saw that as a nation that was blessed by God. And so let's look at what happened during that time period. Let's look at the model of the judicial courts and such mm -hmm. that were set up, um, you know, uh, by Moses and the Ten Commandments that right. were biblical law. And so l let's look at those things. And so we'll see those referenced over and over again, uh, maybe not direct quotes, mm -hmm. but in many of the writings of the founders. And Absolutely. so um, that's what we have to look through the lens of. And we cannot change history by refusing to acknowledge that that happened. That's right, exactly. And, you know, there were a number of testifiers just a, a few days ago here at the State Board of Education talking about Moses as uh, one who brought up representative government, choose leaders from among yourselves, property rights, a number of other issues. You know, our uh, policy advisor, Mary Elizabeth, brought up the fact that, you know, you go to the Texas Capitol, you see the Ten Commandments on display. Mm -hmm. The reason why those are on display mm -hmm. is because now Governor Greg Abbott, he was at the time the Attorney General, right. defended that those Ten Commandments stay on the Capitol grounds. And in the U.S. Supreme Court's opinion, they specifically reference Moses as being a lawgiver. Well, right. yes, he's a religious symbol, but he was known as a lawgiver. Right. It's history. Right. <laughs> like you said, you can't change history. Right. right. There are certain things I think that we would all rather to have not taken place in history mm -hmm. that would be very easy to erase. Mm -hmm. um, but just like we, we want our students to learn from mistakes that have mm -hmm. been made in the past. And so we try to be truthful with that. And so the same applies to our founding and, uh, you know, the way that they view biblical law. We don't want to erase that either. So we have to present all of that for our students. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there were, again, so many members of history that y'all made sure stayed in. There was even, you know, a discussion today about John Quincy Adams. Should we take him out? Should he stay in? You think of how John Quincy Adams, one, just an amazing character of history for 
students to see, wow, right. what he did at a, such a young right. age, you know, became president, came back to the House of Representatives, um, was someone who continuously fought to stop slavery in our nation mm -hmm. and literally died on the <laughs> right next to the House floor, standing up for what was right. But right. then right behind, if you ever go to the, the statuary hall, you'll see that right behind his desk was Abraham Lincoln's desk. Mm. You know, talk about historical mm -hmm. figure. We right. want to make sure our students know. Right, right. And I, you know, in all of this was in an effort to allow teachers to have enough time to cover all of mm -hmm. the content that is required. But what, you know, what it really boils down to as well is just a matter of priority. Mm -hmm. You know, what historical figures do we think are essential for our students to learn? And we want to bring out people like that from our history who who did such sacrificial things for our country. And right. so, you know, uh, it's, uh, I'm proud of the work that we have done. We were able to uh, keep in the historical figures for which we really fought and for which many of you in the public, you sent us emails, you came mm -hmm. and testified, uh, you made phone calls on our behalf and you prayed for us as mm -hmm. a board and I thank you, thank you for that and the support and encouragement that we received in this well, fight. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, and, and that's just another encouragement to our listeners to look at the impact that you're having when you call, when you contact your elected officials. It really does make a difference. It does. They need to hear from you. They need to hear you because y'all need the courage right. to stand up for what's for what's right, and when you right. know your constituents are supporting right. you, it gives you a lot right. more, right. more. When we represent them, we mm -hmm. are elected, and so we need to listen to our constituents, and I certainly do that, and I know many members of the board do that. Absolutely, well, I just thank you so much for, for your stand, and again, y'all put so many things back in, made sure that we're there, and, and a quick mention of obviously the Alamo, that was a big discussion. Yes, heroic we defenders. a lot of people on that, <laughs> which heroic I love. defenders of the Alamo. Yeah, the heroic defenders are, are back in, you know, mm -hmm. and so Helen Keller is back in. We mm -hmm. received a lot of correspondence about that, <laughs> so we, you know, Judeo-Christian tradition is back in, so thank you, thank you for all of your messages. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show today, Barbara. We just admire you and, and so many of the SBOE members who've really taken a stand um, and really going to impact future generations. So thank you for, for what you're doing. Thank you. It's for our school children. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. And, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the, the I wanted to say Facebook Live. We've been doing some all week. Yep. But thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Texas Values Report. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. So thank you again for tuning in to another segment of the Texas Values Report. Look, we're getting close to the end of the year. We're getting close to Thanksgiving. You know, one way that you can show that you give thanks is to give a donation to our organization. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your donations are tax deductible. We meet our budget. We have expenses every month. Okay, We're at almost a million dollars. There's a lot of donations we have to have come in to cover our expenses like this radio show. Go to txvalues.org. Make a tax-deductible donation today. TXValues.org. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.